Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. So happy to have you with us today and with our special guest Cheryl Giesbrick of FromAshesToBeauty.com. Our program today is called Event Planner Training and it's about how to host a fundraising banquet. And during this hour with... uh, Dr. Cheryl Gaysbrook-Turner, you're going to discover how to turn a regular banquet into a fundraiser, how to position yourself for success, simple techniques to map your steps, secrets to keep you focused on results, critical questions and considerations, strategies to help you build a great team and manage strong personalities, five best ways to keep your costs down, and how to increase revenue and ensure your event is a win. Our guest today, Dr. Cheryl Gaysburg-Turner, was one of my co-speakers as we went to Africa this spring, as well as she has organized over 15 leadership training conventions and coordinated more than 40 successful fundraising events. She's a writer who has a book coming out next week called Experiencing God Through His Names, and she's also an encourager and a speaker to women all over the world, and I welcome you, Cheryl. Thank you, Marnie. It's great to be back with you. <laughs> well, I know. It's fun to be together. We were we were saying before we went on air how much we miss each other. You spent uh, 15 days abroad together, and we were together a lot, and it was truly an amazing journey. So that was yes. that was so fun. And while we were there, you were busy looking around for... Um, some fundraiser ideas because you've got a fundraiser coming up and you were uh, wanting to um, get some things from Africa to bring back and I'm sure we're going to talk about that as the hour goes by but anyway this topic surfaced while we were in Africa and I was like oh my goodness will you come and teach us how to do that because I know a lot of you guys do fundraisers you do already host banquets and you've wondered you know how can I do this better or how could I turn a banquet into a fundraiser and so Cheryl I'm going to just thank you first of all for being here today and for sharing this with us so so excited to have you here thank you Marnie Okay, so let's start out right away with how to turn a regular banquet into a fundraiser. And I'm just going to let you take it away. Well, um, turning a regular banquet into a fundraiser actually is a matter of prayer first, obviously. We would want to do that when we're talking to people about why we would want to raise funds. So what we have to do is appeal to a felt need or emotion. For instance, if you're hosting a women's retreat and you would like the women to be involved in fundraising for that retreat, that's a felt need. A couple of the organizations I work with are appealing to lead leader needs, like training leaders in Africa. And then also we've worked with radio stations training those um, listeners to uh, not actually training the listeners, but working with the people who are listeners who why would they want to support a radio station is because the radio station may have been there when um, their needs were not being met by maybe other people. God uses a song and that's where the felt need is. The other thing is to a way to give back to those that have been served and use an interactive yet fun approach to fund raising. In fact, I just kind of use that F-U-N slash D, fundraising. Make it fun. Make it something that people will remember. Not only are they going to have a memorable event in getting ready to go, let's say um, this women's group getting ready for their women's retreat, they also want to be able to say that I am giving back to the opportunity to send someone away to, on a women's retreat for refreshment, encouragement, or what have you. And then uh, I'd like to say that most of the fundraisers that I work with, it turns out to be an interactive time, not just for a fun thing, but it turns out that we are able to say to ourselves, now, what are you going to learn through this experience about not only the organization, about God's provision, but also about ourselves? And so um, how do you turn a regular banquet into a fundraiser? You think about the felt need or the emotion. You think about a way that you can give back, and you also make it a fun evening. Is it is it pretty important? I would think it would be pretty important so people would know that it was a fundraiser before they got there. 
that really is a key thing. It, let them know that that's what it's all about. It's not only an event, a, a banquet, a luncheon, uh, maybe a bake sale, something like that, but, but just let them know in advance that it is going to be u- what the money is going to be used for and why it's important, why that connection point, that emotional investment, if you will, is an important thing for people to, to know about. I'm kind of envisioning a listener saying, yeah, but if I tell them in advance at the fundraiser, they won't come. <laughs> well, some people might not. And so I really believe that there's a real reason why um, we, how you can position yourself for success is to let people know and also let God direct you, let God direct your steps to really pray about what you are going to do and why you're going to do it and who you are going to do it for. And obviously, I believe fundraising is not so much about the money that is needed, but about God's provision for those needs. And so a lot of people think, well, it's embarrassing to tell people that we're going to have a fundraiser. But you are absolutely right, Marnie. If you don't tell them, they won't know how to anticipate that they will be asked to give and why it's important. Well, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and um, we were talking about a product that they had available, and they were talking about how they, you know, the, the price of the product. And I said, I said, but, but it's okay if people, if people leave that page where you're selling that product as soon as they see the price without reading the information because only the people who have the money available or who feel like that's the right value are going to buy it anyway. So if you, you know, if you worry too much about um, having some people not buy it or like in this situation not come to the fundraiser the reality is the people who you want are the people who are ready to come to such a thing and so it's really okay if everybody doesn't come that's exactly right yeah so you talk about positioning yourself for success um how does that how does that work well that always begins with prayer so whenever you're planning an event to raise money Start out by praying about what that felt need is that you would like to meet. Set some goals. I always have a prayer leader for any event that I do. I um, appoint someone who, not not that I don't pray, but I, I always feel like I need somebody else that that's their main role, their main job. And we'll talk about job descriptions later on. But I don't think you can ever pray enough for these types of events because, um, there are many events to choose from, many fundraisers. In our community, we have many nonprofits that are always raising money, so I don't think you can pray enough for what you have to do. And then also plan. You have to make some plans. As you know, Marnie, you're a very structured, very planned out person. And if you organize yourself in the beginning, you will find that you can kind of just start out with kind of a template for your event. And, and then you'll be able to gauge if you're on your timelines or what have you. And then you'll have plenty of time to promote. That's a big thing with any type of fundraising event or banquet or convention, anything that you would like people to attend or be a part of. You have to give them plenty of notice because you know people nowadays are very busy <laughs> and they need to know when, what date so that they can organize themselves and their families to attend and um, give them ample opportunities to get involved. Well, and I think we've talked about this several times when we're talking about planning retreats or um, uh, an annual you know, Christmas event or whatever. If you can pick a day like the second Tuesday of each, um, you know, of each month or if you can pick a specific time like the second Tuesday of August of each year, what's going to happen is that people begin over a period of time to build that into their life instead of you just picking a random day um, out of the blue every single time. It, it does help people, the farther ahead you can p- plan. You know, then if you've got next year's date already set in place, you can actually start promoting it at this year's event. I mean, it, it really makes a big difference to plan as far out in advance as you can. Exactly. So on yours, um, when you go about setting goals, planning, and promoting, and maybe let's go ahead and just start right into the simple techniques to map your steps, because I think that was my next question was going into that area a little bit. Like how do you how do you even begin to set the goals? How do you decide? 
you kind of get, Marnie, a big overview of what it is that you want to accomplish. So you've got your, let's say you're raising money for a women's retreat registration. So you've got a certain amount of women that you would like to attend your event. You have a certain um, registration fee built into that, maybe a little bit of um, fuel for your vehicle, and hopefully that will cover everybody's costs. I don't know if that's something that, that might want to be added. But what is it, number one, what is it that you want to accomplish, and then that felt need is why? So that's number one. What do you want to accomplish? And then um, how much money do you need to raise? It is if you aim at some, if you aim at nothing, you are sure to hit it. And so it's so important to yeah. know that you have to have a goal, a financial goal in mind. And sometimes people say, well, I don't want to set a goal because then if we don't reach it, then we'll be disappointed. And I really like to flip that the other way and say, if we don't have a goal, then how are we going to know how we've done or what we've done? Um, I always look at uh, the cost that it takes to put an event on and um, think about what are our anticipated expenses. And we call that for fundraising banquets, we call that underwriting. So that is if you rent your facility, if you uh, maybe for your food cost, if you're paying a speaker, then you look at what your expenses will be. And of course you could go lower or even higher, but kind of give yourself a room there to anticipate what exactly your expenses are so that you can get that all underwritten and meet your budget. And then, like you said, Marty, um, to figure out the date is so important and, that's one thing that's very exciting about our fundraiser for the African leaders with International Christian Ministries is we have our event at the same date in August every year. And this will be our sixth annual event, and it's going to be a really exciting time. But people are looking forward to it. It's in the first yeah. of a lineup of a lot of fundraisers for nonprofits. And what, what's wonderful about it is that people are back in school now. Uh, it's the, actually the second day of school, and we've had some criticism about that, but we've chosen to just say, well, this is the date that we picked, and this is our date, and what's great about that is people are home from vacation. Many of us in Bakersfield, California, leave because it's so hot here in the month of August, and so, but people have to come back because their kids start school on the 22nd of August. So our event is the 23rd, second uh, day of school uh, every single year. And that has really worked well for us. The last thing that you will want, go ahead. I think, let me just mention about the date too. It's interesting because what you said was people have have said, you know, the same date, great date, but you had specific reasons for picking that specific date. First of all, it wasn't while people were on vacation. And you mentioned earlier, it's the beginning of a long stream of fundraisers. You picked an early date intentionally And it is easy to remember because school did just start, you know. And so uh, you've got got all these hooks that that you're trying to fit in. And honestly, you will never pick a perfect date. There's no such thing. And so you do have to look at the pros and cons of the dates and obviously avoid, you know, avoid your city's, you know, big event. But uh, other than that, you're never going to find a a perfect day. So you do have to have your reasons and pick day. I like I like how you um, sandwich that right between <laughs> right between those two things. <laughs> well, and like you said, we there's never a perfect day, and I really believe that people choose what they decide to come to. And so, mm-hmm. the more the more advice or the more insight, the more time that we can give them on getting there, uh, they choose what what and how they want to spend their money. And we have other people that don't attend, but they love to underwrite. And so they will say, well, I can't be there. I'm going to send you enough money to buy three tables. And I know that I can probably fill um, one of those with my friends who are local, but would you be able to fill those tables? And so what we try and do is double sell those tables. We don't sell tickets. We go for tables of eight and they're a certain price. And what we'd like to do is, is really go for um, getting people in those seats because each and every person that comes is someone that we believe God is going to encourage to not only learn more about African leaders, but also maybe there is a way that God's asking them to go to Africa or maybe some other place that he is putting 
And, you know, it's a double-sided thing. And there are two ways to go with this. Is It's not only an opportunity for people to give donations, but it's also God is doing something new in people's hearts. And so that's right. a pretty exciting thing when you hear, think about that. It, I, I really never thought I'd ever go to Africa, as you know, but God put that in somebody's heart to say something to me about it, and the rest is pretty much history. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Are we going to talk about the underwriting part of this and the hosting of the tables later in the hour? Yes. Okay, because I don't want to miss that. I, You guys who are listening and you're like, I don't get it, I don't get it. We're going to come back around and uh, tap on that in one of the other segments that we're going to do here. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about um, secrets to keep you focused on the results. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or Freedom Members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back, and just a note about womensevents.info, that is for Christian women's events only, and so events that have both men and women invited or teenagers or whatever, those aren't included there. Just when you want to find an event to take your gals to, uh, take your church group to, or attend personally as a, a woman, and it's an adult woman, womensevents.info is a great place to check out. We're joined today by Dr. Cheryl Giesberg-Turner. Uh, she is an event coordinator who's hosted um, over 40 successful fundraising events, and she's here talking to us about how to host a fundraising banquet. Welcome back, Cheryl. Thank you, Marnie. We were talking before break about some simple techniques to snap your steps, and we were talking about keeping the why in mind, having the overview of what you want to accomplish as well as how much you need to raise when you're going to host it. And it seemed like there was one other thing that you were going to mention there that we didn't have time for before break, was there? Um, Yeah, there was one other thing, and that is keep in mind how many people you would like to attend. You know, we talked about goals for fundraising. That is how much money you want to raise. But how many people do you anticipate coming to your event? And that really is one of the main things to keep in mind because that's going to help you plan accordingly. It's almost like having enough food for the company that you have over after church on Sunday. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, it's so so important. And and we're going to keep on talking about all the details of all this as we go on. So let's go ahead and move into the secrets to keep you focused on the results. And I think that this one is kind of the sleeper here because it's really easy once you get going on a path like this Mm -hmm. to get all tangled up in the details of it and how to make it work. You know, and you kind of um, you kind of lose the perspective of why you're doing it in the first place. That's right. That's right. That's why it's so important to know why you're doing it. Why are you having a fundraising event, and who are you? putting this on for? What is the felt need? That's why the emotions, especially for us as women, it's hard sometimes to find that there are things as people come at you or you have things that distract you in your schedule with with finishing up your to-do list. You have to keep your eyes focused on the goal. And that's why to start with prayer and have that prayer leader that you can go to and say, hey, the enemy really is attacking right now. Could you pray for us? Mm. Yeah. As you're going along the way, what are some tips to keep you focused? Just to have regular team meetings, and that is accountability not only for yourself to have the different jobs done by the time that you have your meeting. It's really accountability. I send out regular emails and texts and even make phone calls to my team and pray for them regularly as well because each of us 
have a busy life and they are volunteering to be a part of this. And so it's really important to stay on track by keeping everyone on track with the regular team meetings. We've, we talk about this almost every time we do event planner training. We talk about the need to have regular scheduled time for check-ins mm-hmm. and um, target target um, progression reports at those dates. And it's because what happens to a leader when you don't do that, what happens is that you've delegated responsibilities out and you have really no polite or um, non-bossy feeling weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are mm-hmm. you doing your job? <laughs> you know? Exactly. But yet, as a leader, you really have to know that people are doing the work in a timely manner so that you don't get to the end and don't have what you need there. Uh, these scheduled meetings are so important. So can you just like walk us through quickly how one of these meetings would look for your team? Well, as I mentioned, I would send out an agenda prior to the meeting, and I would go through some of the checklists that we have delegated. That is a great word that I've given away because I can't obviously do it all And then at the meeting, I expect them to give me a report. So I have all the job descriptions. That's what we haven't talked about quite yet. But but, um, just to have different job descriptions of what is expected for each person that is going to contribute to the fundraiser. Um, Many times there are people that are involved with the registration, decorations, uh, the room setup. Uh, You can even have a program committee. It just depends on the um, size of your event and, again, what you're trying to accomplish. But one thing that I've learned is that when I sometimes when I give jobs away, I might even have to take them back. Not that I want to, but if someone isn't following through and it needs to be done, then I may have to say, why don't you focus on what you are doing instead of Uh, or what you uh, would like to do instead of doing this. Like I had just given away a job last week to someone and, and before she's in charge of some of the inventory for our private uh, silent auctions. And she wasn't able to do some of the phoning that needed to be done. And I knew it really wasn't her thing, but she was just being nice and volunteering because she knew it was a Mm -hmm. need for me. Right. And so I just said, you know, I know now you have a lot of inventory coming in because we had just gone and we had done a work day last Monday. And so I knew that now her work would begin and she was going to have to inventory those items for the silent and live auction. And I I wasn't um, fearful that she would not do that, but I knew that she was trying to help me before uh, her job came. And so I said, let's let uh, someone else do this. And I said, I don't want to make you feel like you're not following through, but we have to look at the calendar and time is of the essence and someone else is coming back from their vacation. So let's let them do this. And she was okay. It was just a tactful way of, of saying, um, let's, you know, I'm taking this back from you. And it was wonderful. She was very excited about it actually. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, right. When you do it in, when you do it in a graceful way like that, I love that. I was, it reminds me, I, I'm training in a new um, gal at the retail store, and I said, I don't like you to say no to the customers. So, for example, we do not gift wrap. So if someone says to you, do you gift wrap, you automatically would think, no, we do not gift wrap. But you instead should say, we have gift bags over on the wall, and I have some tissue paper here. I could help you put that together. And mm. so it's sometimes just you have to say, I need to take that responsibility back from you now. That's right. That's <laughs> but right. you can make the person feel like a terrible loser or else you can make them feel like a winner. I need to take it back from you now because I would need you to focus over here and I have this other person who can do this. You know, we want you to be free to do, you know, what your main responsibility is. Thank you so much for your help. And, I, you know, it just makes a huge difference how you say something. And yes. Not just that you say it. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's great. So as far as the team meetings then, um, I know for me one of the things that's worked really great in team meetings is to start it off with popcorn praise just when we all get going, <laughs> just to spend a couple minutes just and I usually say one to three words and just, mm. just praise God for whatever a gift or attribute that you can think of and it's just we just pop them up for just a couple minutes and then we just dive in. 
And then um, also a lot of times for my teams, I like to just, if we hit something that's confusing to us or something that's shockingly, um, this isn't at all what we anticipated, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal, we just pause right there and pray for it right in the moment. And yes. um, I tell you what, prayer changes the playing field. It takes yes. it from the human, um, our effort and what we can accomplish and takes it right into the heavenlies and what God is going to do through it. And I just love to include prayer throughout. And it doesn't have to be a big prayer meeting at the meeting because you're also trying to get the meeting stuff done. At the same time, uh, prayer is just central to it. How do you how do you do yours, Cheryl? We really make it a support group. We We have friends that are working on this event and we've been together through many events and and it really has been a wonderful asset to our friendship but then we have new people mm-hmm. that come and so we take an ongoing prayer list and we pray for personal prayer requests and that it takes a little bit longer but I love I love to pray for people and I also love to see how God brings us in and out of people's lives for a season and this fundraiser is um, one of the reasons why we we're doing it is because we love to spend time with each other and we have a lot of fun <laughs> so that's awesome so let's put this into perspective for listeners so your fundraising team how uh, the team for the banquet how many people are on the main team at this point in time there's a core of five of us and okay. towards the end of the event, towards the uh, the launch, uh, mid-July, we will add more people for different jobs. Some people are very busy during the summer, vacationing or what have okay. you, and they have requested to come in at the end. And we know who they are, and we've got their number, and we will be <laughs> inviting them to do what they do best. And some of those things are decorating. Some of those things are last minute. Um, yeah. So it's exciting. Uh, it sounds like a small group, but we have really a power team. Yeah. And then how many people are you hoping for this year at your at your banquet? This year we're we're praying for seven hundred. We have keynote speaker, New York Times bestselling author Bob Goff, who wrote Love okay. Does. And we've also got a thirty year anniversary of our event. So it's a big big deal this year and so we're we're praying mm. over that many people just because of the celebratory feel that we want to give it but also um it's it's just going to be an amazing night just so excited about it that's awesome so at the end obviously five of you can't pull this off so at the end how many people how many people will you have that will have volunteered um to help there will be 40 uh total 40, i would yeah. imagine yeah we have um some of the treatment programs here that volunteer their people, Teen Challenge and the Rescue Mission, uh, they help us a lot during the end. And so it, it's just fun to see people come um, from treatment programs as well as people that have come in the past that, that just can't wait. They appreciate the, the event, not only for the felt need, but also because they love to be together. That's so cool. Well, this is Marty Swedberg. We're visiting today with Dr. Cheryl Giesbrick, Turner of FromAshesToBeauty.com. We're going to take a little break and come back and talk about critical questions and considerations as well as strategies to help you build a great team and manage strong personalities. We'll be right back. WomenSpeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit WomenSpeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible join us at marnie.com for author training you will learn how to write it well get great graphics attract an agent format it for e-readers get good reviews connect with libraries and market via media all over at the author training at marnie.com check it out today Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you're visiting at Marnie's Friends today with our guest, Dr. Cheryl Giesbrick-Turner of 
from AshesToBeauty.com. We're talking about hosting a fundraising event. And Cheryl, welcome back to you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and talk about critical questions and considerations. Well, there may be a time where you will need to remind your team of the goal in mind. Uh, Sometimes there are strong personalities that join teams like this, not only because they love the work, but they also have an agenda in mind. And so that's why you must start out with that, what is it that you want to accomplish? And since you are the leader, to really stay focused on what is the goal, and so having job descriptions, I cannot over underscore that enough. Um, it's so important to have your job description so that you can keep with that. And sometimes people, they want to um, muddy the boundaries a little bit because they, they've done something else in the same vein. And they know from um, experience that it might be done better or differently. And so that will entail you meeting with them in a private meeting and taking care of their concerns and maybe even just saying, you know, why don't you do this instead of, of trying to overstep um, the job description that you've been given. So the way that, the way that you bring this up, this is a concern because um, a person can come into your team and can really send the whole train off the track. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, it just doesn't take, you know, if you think about a train and your train has 700 passengers and it has 40, you know, support personnel online and it has five people up, you know, kind of in the in the uh, engine room and it has one conductor. And uh, you get you get one of those five people or even one of those 40 people and you you get them, you know, throwing pennies on the, on the rail and throwing bigger things on the on the rail in front and you can really have a mess on your hands and yet as a leader when they're volunteering it is kind of a touchy situation to um, address it. One of the things that I've learned in business management that applies and of course it's a scriptural principle is that whenever you see a ripple of trouble <laughs> you go directly to the place the ripple began. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. You track it back and you don't talk with everybody else about it on the way back. You just track it back and uh, go talk right directly to the person where it started. And in my experience, so many times the ripples end up to be nothing. Uh, it's either a misunderstanding of the person themselves not knowing what to do or else a misunderstanding of why they did something that seemed exactly. out of bounds. And then, there, and then there are the situations where you really do have to say, oh, let's, um, you know, let's make an adjustment here. So in a situation where you have someone who's come on board and they just aren't going to do it your way. What, uh, what do you recommend? Well, I think you have to really make the person feel as they are heard by you. And how that works is to consider their idea as it's important, but then remind them. And this may not happen in the team meeting. Like I said, um, many times it takes a separate meeting where you, you know, just say, okay, let's explain to me exactly how you see this happening or how you would like to make this change and then hear them out and then affirm them that it's not a bad idea but then remind them of the proven successes from the past experience that you as a leader have and when you do that then everyone wins um it's it's not saying yes we're going to do this but it's saying you know we're we're able to see that maybe something that that you would like to do i don't know that it'll happen this year but we will consider it maybe for the future. Um, One year we had a lot of uh, interference with people who overstepped the boundaries the night of the event. And what ended up happening was there were a lot of changes that were made by a certain person uh, for um, the auction bid sheets. And so in order to avoid that in this year, we are – allowing the person who's in charge of the auction to just stay focused on those bid sheets and no one else is going to have a say in the price that is uh, the minimum bid or what have you. So that is just one way that we're sticking with some of the boundaries uh, that we've set up. Um, Unfortunately, there are some people that don't want to be told no (laughs) 
right. and uh, and it's it's difficult when there are strong personalities such as that. But on the other side, we just need to be willing and able to tactfully challenge, challenge and channel the personality to focus on what they have signed up to do as a volunteer. Um, it's interesting right. because probably some people that you and I know would never think of coming in to an event on the night of it and trying to change somebody else's (laughs) job. It's just baffling to me, but, but yet on the other side, I think she thought she was helping. And that's the other thing that we have to remember is the person who maybe that strong personality thinks that they have a better idea and it's, what it is is we have to just be very clear in our team meeting the day before the event when we're setting up that no changes will be made in any way um, without the permission of the person in charge of this selective areas. So, um, and then the buck stops with you, the leader. I had one year uh, several women that didn't want to talk to each other they were calling me, texting me uh, the week before the event, Aww. and these were all on the same team. We had the same goal in mind, but they said, could you tell this person right. this? And and so that was interesting. Um, but I felt that that was a learning experience for all of us as well because in the next meeting I had taken care of each one of them individually, but in the next meeting we were able to sit down and talk mm-hmm. some of these things through. So it's about think about um, what God is doing in the team, uh, each as individuals, how God is honing us as believers in Christ to draw closer to him, but also give people the opportunity to use grace towards you as well as towards each other. And remember that, you know, God is really in the middle of it. And the bottom line, we want him glorified in everything that we say and do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I think one of the things I learned um, with teleconferences, which is kind of a funny place to learn this lesson, but when I was learning how to do a teleconference and how to do a training over the phone with uh, a large group of people, one of the things that I was taught there was that what you do is what you get. Mm. And so that, uh, that he would say, okay, so if you want people to give long answers, then you're going to start with a long introduction. But if you want people to give short answers, then you're going to start with a short introduction and you're going to ask them to, you know, respond to a simple question with a short answer. And it's what you say is what you get. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, I found that to be so true also um, that that as you set the realistic expectations up front, uh, that it really makes a huge difference down the road. It, it resolves so many issues before they come up. And like a lot of what you're sharing with us, which is so beautiful, is um, learning experiences that you've had over the years that you can share with us so that we don't have to make the same mistakes like going in and have to discover, you know, have to discover this. But uh, to, to say, okay, out of the day before the event, we have to make major changes to these categories. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. That's so helpful. Are there any other critical questions or considerations or strategies that you wanted to share right here? I think the main thing, Marnie, is that we as leaders need to remember to serve our team. And that doesn't mean we do their jobs. What it means is we honestly and with a lot of effort and prayerfully consider how we respond to them, but also pray for them on a regular basis, daily Uh, especially in the weeks and months prior to the event. And um, when you are a servant leader, then when you have to say to someone, this is what we are doing and remind them of our goal, and you don't have to tell them the buck stops with you, the leader, they know that. And you come to them in a servant leadership role, like our Lord who served the disciples who served us, and then they're willing to say, oh, I remember we had talked about not making any changes the day before the event. And so they realized, Oh, how could I have, you know, thought that we were going to do what I want to do instead of what the leader of that area wants to do. Yeah. Well, just coming at the whole thing from, from a position of love instead of control, 
mm-hmm. um, just makes such makes such a difference. Like, you are, I've experienced I've experienced your love in this way. You know where you uh, you care deeply for the people you're working with, and it is a, it is a truly beautiful thing to be on your team. Thank you. <laughs> very very blessed, and I would I would hope that all of us could aspire to to um, be that caring and loving of our team members. Well, let's go ahead and start into the five best ways to keep your costs down. And I know you guys are raising your hands and saying, what about this, you know, what about this um, uh, silent auction thing? And what about the table sponsor things? I want to hear more about that. So we're Mm going to get to that. Just hang on here. But let's go ahead and start into the five best ways to keep your costs down. Well, it's when you're fundraising, you cannot have too many volunteers. And when you think of volunteers, when people come forward and they want to volunteer, find a job for them. That is a key thing. Even if it's a small job like putting postage stamps on your reminder postcards or whatever it is, <laughs> give people a job. Um, maybe there's some things that, that they are not good at, but think about what it is that they'd like to do, what they'd like to offer, and ask for volunteer manpower. I cannot say that enough because it's so important to have um, volunteers and not to rely on paid staff or the president of the organization or what have you. Yeah. Okay, so that would be, is that the first way then? Yes, and then um, oh. underwriting. Underwriting is a big thing as well, and you talked about that. What we do is send out a letter explaining our project, our felt need, explain different giving levels uh, for underwriters, and then give them the opportunity to uh, send back in a check or a credit card donation. And how this works is there are top donors for different events or different organizations that I've worked with. So we send out this specific letter to folks that have underwritten in the past or who have donated in the past. And so we have a list that we work off of. And then after we do that, we follow up with an email and ask them if they received the letter and how much they would like to donate. Now, remember, these people have given in the past, so it's not like we're just making cold calls. They are already involved or the buy-in isn't needed to be explained because they already have an investment, a heart for that felt need for the fundraising event that we're doing. And then after that, we make the phone calls that we uh, would like to make. You know, sometimes people put things in a pile and they don't um, right. send the, the check in. So we remind them that um, if if they would like their information, we try and promote their organization on some of our promotional materials. Either we have their name in our program brochure that's at the event or we put it in our advertising in our newspaper. So there is kind of a trade there. They also get two or three tables depending on the level of underwriting that they submit to. So um, that's what underwriting is about. Underwriting basically is the provision of the cost of your event. That's why it's so important to know how much your event will cost to put on. And then after you have that event paid for, then anything else that you make is income is above and beyond, and that goes to the ministry. Hmm. So is underwriting the second of the five, or is that is that two, three, four, and five? I would so say um, that underwriting is the second of the five. And then okay, wow, we, okay. Yeah, we have um, the need for asking for donations of auction items, and that's where um, it comes into going to estate sales uh, or even um, we're looking for a TV, a big screen TV to donate for our uh, live auction. And um, ask for donations of any sort, and then you can be selective on what you actually receive. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you can have 27 boxes of our leftover and not sold stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Okay, so asking for donations, and I suppose more than a safe sales, you could ask really anybody um, for that kind of thing. Even uh, there are certain organizations like camps and restaurants that that want to donate gift cards. If you have your nonprofit number, you give them a letter 
explaining what you're going to be using it for, and many times they'll donate to that. Yeah, our businesses get asked every week for donations um, for this kind of, you know, either for um, medical fundraisers or whatever it is, um, walkathons or, you know, people come in. And most businesses are set up to be able to give you something if you ask, but you do have to ask in the right way. You can't ask assuming they're going to give, and you can't uh, you can't come in and ask for yourself. You do have to be asking for something legit. That's right. <laughs> okay, what's the fourth one? Well, we have a lot of different meetings where we have our team together, and it would seem that the organization should pay for those. However, if you're having a fundraising event, you don't want to spend the organization's money on lunch for people. So often we have donations for lunch if we have like a conference room where we're having our lunch meetings and then we ask for a donation of a um, lunch. One of our volunteers, her husband owns Subway sandwiches. That's convenient, isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> often she will um, arrange a donation for us. And that goes for the night of the event when we have our setup crew, um, our volunteers, and and just basically getting more people involved and saying, here's a here's a need that we have. We don't want to spend our profits on these things. We'd like to know if, if you'd like to. And don't be afraid to ask. It, it you know, seems some people might think, oh, you know, I'm asking for too much. But if you don't ask, then you won't know if people want to help. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's the fifth way? The fifth way is don't overlook the involvement of your board and your nonprofit president I think many times it's kind of the same thing in a church. I I think sometimes we think, well, those people are paid, and I don't. This board is not a paid positions. However, they're invested in the organization because they come to the regular board meetings. And so I would say that, um, especially if you're raising money for a women's retreat, don't be afraid to ask the pastors for their ideas or even if they'd like to be involved in, in any way, maybe they want to help with the setup crew and not just focus on teen challenge. I think many times we think of women's ministries or a nonprofit organization as a separate entity from the church. But I really feel like one thing we do here is we rely heavily on our churches here in Bakersfield to get not only the word out, but to get, more churches involved. So who knows, you know, maybe one of them will be going to Africa because they've gotten involved in coming to a dinner or even giving us some ideas about what to do. Yeah, seeing the bigger picture and the mm-hmm. the why behind it all. Well, this is Marnie Fletcher. We're going to take a break here and come back and talk about how to increase revenue and ensure your event is a win. We'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author, speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Frederick, and you're joining us today at Marnie's Friends. Our guest today, Dr. Cheryl Giesberg-Turner, is from fromashestobeauty.com, and her new book is coming out next week, Experiencing God Through His Name. You want to check that all out. Cheryl, let's go ahead and talk about how to increase revenue and ensure your event is a win. So let's talk about revenue first, because, of course, this one is huge if you're mm-hmm. planning a if you're planning a fundraiser, you want to have some funds at the end. <laughs> That's right. The best way to do that is to get the event underwritten fully, and that means everything is taken care of by donations in advance of the event. And sometimes it really is a blessing to see how God works, and sometimes you'll get even more than you need. And so you can put that into what you get as your, um, I think of it as, well, God's just really blessing, and he's just asking us to 
to make good use of that fund. Yeah. We were recently at a, a fundraising banquet, and they did the underwriting of the table. And mm-hmm. it was two separate pieces. You could underwrite a table, or you could host a table. Um, let's see. You could underwrite a table, which was like a table sponsor, or you could host a table, which was a person who would invite enough people to sit at that table, mm-hmm. or you could do both. So let's just talk about, just kind of spell this out for people here just for a moment. So the underwriting, you would take the overall cost. Do you take just the overall cost of the meal or the overall cost of the event and divide it out by the number of tables and chairs? Yeah, it's the event cost because it costs more than the food. You know, it's the rental right. of the facility, tablecloth, yada, yada. Yep. And so you come up with your entire budget. And mm-hmm. then you divide that by how many tables and chairs you have, basically, how many chairs yes. you have, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, exactly. And then you say, okay, if each table is going to have eight chairs, now you know how much a table is going to cost. Mm-hmm. So um, usually a table sponsor is going to be looking at, you know, several hundred dollars. From my experience, is that about what you're? Yeah, it's about, for us, it's about $300 yeah. mm-hmm. for a table of eight and actually, that's a really good deal because if we were to right. sell an individual seat price, it would be $50. Right, yeah. So you're mm-hmm. actually you're making it. And, and people who are used set up, this is not shocking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, this is the kind of thing that they're going to hear from, from nonprofits. In fact, it's going to range anywhere from 200 to $1,000 a table, that's depending right. on what the event is. And mm-hmm. so if you can keep the underwriting part of your event to, you know, the lower end of that spectrum, you're going to have people who are going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll sponsor one or I'll sponsor three or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's just a huge piece. And when you are, now you said you had a list of donors who already are used to doing this. If you mm-hmm. had to start over, do you have a tip for somebody who's starting from scratch? I would say as I kind of make it a a fun project for me to attend other events. And so um, I do a lot of uh, emceeing of events, but I also attend those because there are many nonprofits right here in my own town. So when I go, I may even look at the sponsors on of these (laughs) other events and, um, and it's worth a phone call and even saying, and many of the people I, I do know, um, some businesses are more uh, keen to giving to nonprofits than others. So, um, you know, it's worth, a, it's worth a question or a letter, put it in writing, or make a phone call. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, just off the top of my head, people, people that donate typically will donate to hospital charity events, to mm-hmm. theater events, people that just like, you know, they have a budget and they need to invest this budget into a nonprofit each year. And then it's just going to be divided up between the ones that come and the ones that resonate with them, the ones that they feel like, yes, this is a truly good cause, which takes us back up to your first point, you know, why are you having this? What's your felt need? And is that able to be communicated? So what are some other thoughts here on this increasing revenue and ensuring your event is a win? Increasing revenue is really important to just give honor where honors due, and that happens when you put the underwriters' names in the program. Now, some of our underwriters already have said they don't want that, especially some of the ones who have donated year after year. It's their known underwriters. But just really look at ways that you can honor those who have donated and then honor God in the process of doing that, um, asking them, you know, we'd like to do something for you, give them a, a, a special seat, um, a VIP table. We are having a VIP reception prior to the date or time that our auction opens. So that, that's the time to honor your um, underwriters. But increasing revenue, I can't not underscore it enough, get as much as you can donated. Uh, If you can get your linen rental donated, if you can get um, a lower fee on hiring someone to run your sound system, um, there are many ways. It just takes that question that you will ask as a leader. And um, just don't be shy. Ask the questions to keep your costs down. Think about, you know, taking 
are actually giving back into um, the underwriting that you've gained. You don't want to give that money away, do you? Right, right. And and the thing is that people can say no. And so, if I mean, you don't have to feel bad about asking. Just ask. And then mm-hmm. if they need to say no, they'll say no. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a moment about the auction side of things because uh, we've mentioned it several times during the hour. And actually, in the event planner training um, that you can get free um, at um, marty.com under live training, there's an, there's an auction section in there where you can learn how to do an auction, and that comes with a printout that helps you ask for donations and stuff. What we've really found, and I think you and I have talked about this too, is a silent auction is great, but a live auction, if you get a real auctioneer, is just the best way to go. <laughs> it really is. And we um, we actually as a team decided to do that. I had never been a part of a live auction as an event planner before. And so we had gotten the silent auction idea pretty much down but then they decided, oh, as a team, that, that they really wanted to have some fun. And so that was why we decided to add the live auction. And we have learned a lot of different tough um, things the hard way in that getting hiring a professional auctioneer to do our auction was really a big thing. We, we raised over $20,000 in less than 15 minutes because we used a <laughs> professional auctioneer. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, we have a guy up here that does ours as a volunteer. He volunteers the auction service, but he's a professional auctioneer. And I tell you, it is just astounding the difference that that makes. And mm-hmm. it is fun. It really it is. is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So besides the auction, then uh, both silent and the verbal auction, is there other ways that obviously people can just donate an amount? Um, is there any other thing that you add to the banquet as far as an opportunity for them to um, donate right then that night? Yeah, we actually have an African market. That is, we wanted our event to be an interactive evening. So when they walk in the doors, we're all dressed in African dresses or or uh, those those African um, you know pants and long shirt that the men wear. Just it's just so exciting. We have African drummer. We have all kinds of music going on. So they come in and they have an hors d'oeuvre opportunity that is. The plated hors d'oeuvres are served to them, and they are able to shop in the silent auction, but they can also visit the African market and touch and hold and try on different things. But um, that And that's just the hour before the event starts. And what we found is that it's a really great meeting time for people that haven't mm-hmm. seen each other. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we almost have to say to people, okay, stop. We are ready to start our event. But that's a good problem to have because you know that people are enjoying the experience. They're also connecting with their friends. But they are also so excited to be um, supporting a wonderful ministry that trains leaders in Africa and the Middle East. Wow, that is so cool. That's auction. Awesome. That's auction. That is yeah, auction. it is. It's wonderful. So, uh, it's- so they come in, they come in and they have an hour to um, shop and experience and have some hors d'oeuvres, then your, your program begins. And mm-hmm. do you start with the auction or the speaker? We actually start with dinner. And then we have, um, sometimes we have African musicians that actually sing and let the congregation sing with them. We had African leaders visiting here last year, and there were 15 of them up on stage. So we started out with them. It was amazing. (laughs) And then um, at the conclusion of the dinner was when we, when people were eating their dessert was when we did the live auction. And then it, uh, last year we didn't have a regular keynote speaker. We had one of our African leaders share what his ministry was doing in Kenya. <laughs> and um, so it, it, was, it was really neat to find out from the field what was actually going on. Oh, that is so cool. That's awesome. Well, this hour has flown by. I knew it would. But uh, this has been mm-hmm. so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Cheryl. I'm so grateful that you were able to share all this, and you've just shared so much great content with us. Thank you. Thank you, Marnie. It's been a pleasure, and I'm so thankful for your ministry. I love you, and I'm praying for you, Marnie. Oh, thank you so much. Ditto back at you. And thank you all for being here. It's always just so great to have you guys come and 
you're uh, listening live to this show, always put this on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. So grateful for that, as well as those who listen to the archives all over the net and even share the radio um, the radio box on your site. So grateful to you, and we will see you next time or else in between times over at Marnie.com. Have a great day now. Bye-bye.